Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Smart Sky in the Room. You will not find one in this room today. I'm your host, Jerry Dempsey. As always, with my good pal, Matthew Smith. Hey, Matt. It's an extra happy Sunday because our Buffalo Bills were victorious last night in the playoffs against the most evil empire that ever existed anywhere in the world, the New England Patriots. You know, I have a good friend of mine who is uh, from Boston, or so he says. <clears throat> and um, I remember a long time ago, he was like, um, you've moved around a lot, and so have I in my in my life. And I always think that's a good thing. And um, But there's highs and lows like everything else. One thing I always managed to do when I would get to a, a town or a different uh, city that I would live in is I would have kind of like a hierarchy of friends. And this guy who will remain nameless um, was my Hoboken go-to drinking buddy. He was like my, my number one seed, if you will. Right. Right. I'd call him first. If he was doing something else, then I, you know, I had a pecking order. And then my wife being the last, Oh honey, I'll take you to dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You were my fifth choice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, long story, much longer. I remember when, um, the uh, what do you call it? The Red Sox won their first, you know, World Series. But before that, this kid, obviously diehard New England fan and and Boston Red Sox fan, hated the New York Yankees like everybody else, right? Right. And um, I've I've been a loose baseball fan my whole life. You know, just I like watching it or going to like a ball game to drink a few beers. But that's usually my primary motivator. Um, long story short, I was in a bar with him and some of his other Boston cronies one night, and all they did was talk about how evil, the evil empire of the New York Yankees and Steinbrenner. And they went through, like, I sat there for hours, and you know how I get, right? right. The contrarian, the little evil contrarian Jerryan inside of me. And I just kept mocking them And I didn't know the whole Bucky Dent, like any of that Aaron Boone shit. Like I I had to get like a quick, you know, understanding of it. Yeah, well, it all it it actually goes back to when the with with Babe Ruth, right, and the Yankees, and then yes, curse for for the Bambino. Fuck yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But so fast forward twenty years later or so, fucking New England is the evil empire yeah and you know they sucked at football i remember the days with like with the shitty old helmets with the that fat guy like in the <laughs> ball it was like the worst design ever and i always thought they were such a shitty team <laughs> you know they they there's if if they're if you're a kid and you were born in like say 1990 the late 19 from 1995 on you know in the New England area, mm-hmm. you don't know anything but success and championships. All those sports teams, they're football, basketball, I think. I don't follow Celtics. basketball. Baseball, hockey teams. They've yep. all won championships, <clears throat> you know? And so these kids who are like 25, 30 years old, they're just spoiled. They, you know, you grow up in Buffalo like you and I. <laughs> They've never, we're in our fifties. We haven't won shit yet. Right. Have lost mm-hmm. in some of the most heartbreaking ways. 
Yep. You know, I just, I've really grown to hate anything that has to do with New England sports. So, but, you know, we digress today. That's the sports isn't what we're talking about. Well, I can tell you, I got indoctrinated hating people from that part of the world at a young age. I played, uh, we called it Little Loop football instead of Pop Warner, which I still have trouble saying. Uh, I didn't really know who Pop Warner was, and I don't care. But anyway, we called it Little Loop. You played, right? What, Little Loop football? I didn't play Little Loop, but I remember wow. you guys playing Little Loop. Yeah, Jimmo did. A bunch of our friends did. Anyway, when I was uh, on the Pintos or the Warriors, can't remember, we had a team from Marlboro, Massachusetts come and play us in a turkey bowl kind of thing. And they all stayed at our houses, um, you know, for the, for the weekend. Right. And then we had a game and we were supposed to be very, uh, you know, kind of symbiotic. We we're all supposed to be friends and get along. Well, kid down the street had, had one of their kids. And then we had two of their kids because we had 11 kids in our house. So a couple more is not going to do any damage. <laughs> anyway, we ended up getting a big fight with these kids because <laughs> they were such assholes. <laughs> All they did was make fun of us from being from Buffalo. And we started making fun of their accents. And I just remember like we were playing street football and we ended up fighting with them like real fist fights. And my buddies, my neighbor's dad, had to come and break us all up. And I was like, those guys are such dicks. As <laughs> <laughs> you imagine, just imagine being on that team from Massachusetts and coming to Buffalo and everyone on the team is staying with these perfect families in Buffalo with the 2.5 kids and the, you know, the picket fence. And then <laughs> there's two kids on their team who draw the Dempsey's uh, card and yeah. they're in a, they're in a house with 11 fucking animals. <laughs> it was fucking great, too, because, like, my brother, Ud, was such a dick to them. And <laughs> I just can't even describe just how much fun we had, like, fighting with them and shit. Those, I don't know. Those kids probably, <clears throat> to this day, probably hate Buffalo based on that experience. <laughs> I hope they do. <laughs> I can only hope oh my so much. God. Those poor kids. Yeah, so anyway, just to sum it up, folks, today we're going to talk about second lives or, you know... Second acts, as they're known as. Second acts, thank you. Uh, You know, you retire from your main career job because you're tired of it or whatever. We're going to get into it. But, you know, uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up was you and I, I mean, what we're doing right now... um, I can't ever tell you that I had a passion for being famous or in the spotlight, but yet I find myself here doing a podcast with you. We've got a pretty decent following. It could be greater. Tell your friends, guys, if you like it. Uh, We'd like to see more. But, like, I'm really into this. And granted, we don't make any money really doing this. At the same time, I don't think either you or me would uh, would say no to some kind of paying gig that was similar to this. So I do feel like what we're doing right now is speaking to our main point, which is, um, you know, I'll kick it off by saying when I was in high school and college, all I thought about was finding a, a good career job that paid the bills. And I was looking for a quote that would speak to it. And I think I've heard this. I didn't find an author or whoever the fuck gets credit for it. 
but it said, you know, you do what you have to do. So hopefully you can get to do what you want to do at some point. Yeah, and that's that's actually perfect. I don't, whoever said that is spot on. And it kind of flies in the face of what you're told when you're young, you know? Because when you're young, that's the time that you're faced with having to, you know, decide on a career. And it's real. that's a messed up thing because who in their right mind at 18 years old, you know, going into college, or even 20 or 22, how do you know what you want to do for the rest of your life? You haven't, because you haven't really experienced life yet. And you haven't really, you know, I didn't, some of my passions that I have now and that have turned out to be my true passions, I didn't find out until I didn't discover them until later in life, probably my late 30s, early 40s, you know? But you were in a band, weren't you? Like you played an instrument as a kid, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I can, I can distinctly remember coming to your college one weekend, and it was one where I didn't pass out and, you know, follow myself or your couch or something else, <laughs> someone's car backseat. But, like, I remember your band played at a bar somewhere, and I was really inspired by that. Yeah. This, I, yeah, I was, I mean, I've always been a creative person, but, like, you're, you're, the, that's the one thing you're 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 pushed away from by your parents when uh, it comes to earning a living, you know, is doing something creatively because there's no guarantee. You know, as a matter of fact, I was just sitting at a bar with one of our mutual friends the other night whose daughter is starting college and wants to go into uh, some creative field. And he didn't like reject her idea, but he. He gave me the impression that he was trying to talk her out of it, you know, and that's, you know, it's, I, I get it, but it's again, how would you know as at a young age, what you want to do for a you living? You don't. Yeah. You don't. And, and to be honest with you, we get these, you know, lack of a better term, you get a lot of mixed messages in life. Okay. You know, you'll hear rock stars or comedians or a movie person, actor. I had no plan B, you know? Yeah. You'll hear about an actor that I won't name was waiting tables in his mid-30s, then got on a hit show and went from waiting tables as a 35-year-old man to, you know, being a multimillionaire, everyone fucking worships him, and then they write a book about how great they are. Right. Yeah, it's fucked up. Like you look at that and go, that is an out, such an outlier. You can't plan for that. If that happens to you, fantastic. But I mean, most, you know, 99% of the people are still waiting tables in their 40s and 50s. And do you want to end up there? And, you know, and I'm not mocking that career. I'm just saying, is that where you wanted to be? You know? Yeah. You know, I, I, I had a girlfriend after college who, she, you know, she was, I've referenced her before on this show, but she had like a 4.0. She was into, com into computer science. She was brilliant. And uh, she probably would have made a lot of money, but she, she waited tables down in New York City and worked for 20 years trying to be an actress. And I could remember wanting to really do the same thing, wanting to 
forego like the traditional corporate job or in my case newspaper jobs and just try to like do something creatively and and wander around new york city for a while and starve but like try to work at it and you know i didn't come from a family that would have supported that and uh you know she went for it and i didn't and you know now she didn't end up making it but uh she had she she got some gigs along the way that were pretty decent but you know at least she went for it you know i read something not too long ago i don't know if it was on linkedin or i read it was some quote but it was someone saying the two of the most important decisions in your life for the majority of people what you're going to what you're going to do with your life career-wise and who you're going to marry are choices that most people make in their 20s and it's so stupid because you how how can you decide something like that in your 20s it's a good point <clears throat> i mean it's part of our evolution process i think um today you go back uh, you know in the lifetime of humanity two generations is not even you know a rounding error right? right and so much has changed let's go let's just do three generations since world war ii you think of how vastly more complex the world is right. the world was pretty damn simple back then even though they were all getting bombed and trying to kill each other with atomic <laughs> weapons and shit all the fun things that science brings us <laughs> yeah but i mean today's world you know, everyone's got a fucking, I remember when I first got a cell phone, I was so cool. Like, you know, and this was only the late nineties. Nobody had cell phones. I had one and I had a pager. I looked like a fucking idiot drug dealer or potentially a doctor. I don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, back then too, and maybe why we have to why we decide such important things early in our life is because of the way things used to be you know from the those earlier generations but you know people i guess you got married young and landed a job young that you worked at the rest of your life because number 1 people didn't live as long as they live now and number 2 there were a lot of good jobs for unskilled laborers and there really isn't anymore that's true but what i would also say i mean there's more opportunity today for unskilled know, people just opportunity i'm i'm not talking about skilled but because where you're going when you say skills you know a lot of stuff is specialized right even even in the medical field back in the day you had how many flavors a doctor now today there's what hundreds right you could be there's probably over a hundred different types of doctor out there i don't know how many i'm just guessing but even an attorney you're like i'm going to be an attorney well what are you going to focus on and the problem with specialization is if that skill somehow loses out or is replaced by a robot then you're fucked and that's what happened you know with like the auto you know like um people that worked assembly lines like some of those jobs were actually pretty hard and they got paid good money, but then once it got automated, you spent all this time learning a skill that has now basically been replaced. And, and that's 
the risk, there's an inherent risk with any type of specialization getting, you know, um, retired, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, you know, us, right? At some point we become less useful. Yeah, but I, so you and I are at a, the same stage. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're You're retired. You didn't. You're kind of unofficially retired, meaning that you didn't go through like the formal process, but you were in a position where you did not have to return to work. And so you're you consider yourself retired and you're looking at your second act now and Mm -hmm. you're pursuing something. I'll let you talk about that. And in 89, I am not necessarily in a position to retire financially, but uh, mentally. I just had enough and I formally submitted my papers and now I'm 89 days away from uh, retirement. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm like really excited about the prospect of just pursuing something else. I don't even know what it is, but like, it's a weird feeling to be 54 and to, kind of feel like you have the whole world open to you right now because my kids are grown. So I don't have their, that responsibility anymore. Uh, and you know, it's, and maybe I feel that way because I was, especially for the last 15 years of my life doing that, the job I'm retiring from doing something that I wasn't really passionate about, but I was there for, to meet my responsibilities to my kids to get them through school, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, you know, what's your attitude now as you're pursuing that second act? So for me, I think I've always had um, just a passion for wanting to help people. Now, acting on it, you know, we'll get to that. But let's just put that marker, you know, out there. I mean, I got into sales and specifically computer electronic sales. Just kind of by dumb luck. Um, but I mean, when I was a kid, I hated salespeople, especially when I tried to go buy my first car and I got like just pressured immeasurably by some asshole salesman. It made me, it made me want, you know, want to just flip out. And the fact that I became a salesman, I think intrinsically, when I think, when I actually kind of think about it, was because I'm going to be the kind of salespeople person that people are going to like. Right there, I had a passion just for like, I'm not going to be the fucking asshole that's going to squeeze you to get you to sign a a document or sign an agreement so I can take your fucking money. And there are a lot of salespeople out there that that think the same way and actually are more about being consultative and helping the customer or whoever make the right decision for them. And they'll think about their paycheck later. Um, And I actually had, had the luxury of doing that in my career um, which again, I look at it, uh, I was selling computer electronics from 1990 till 2018. That's 28 years. That's pretty, pretty full career. You know what I mean? A lot of people get pensions and whatnot after 20 years or like you, you're 15 years. Right. So, I mean, the last few years of it, it be, just became obviously untenable that my wife and I could both work these high pressure, time consuming jobs 
and still be the, you know, the types of parents that we wanted to be, which again, being a parent, I don't know, intrinsically, I always wanted to be a parent. Even when I was a kid, I remember saying to my parents, my parents, and they laughed at me, of course, I was like, you know, I don't know what I want to do for work, but I want to make a lot of money and I want to be able to spend a lot of time with my kids. And they just laughed at me like I was an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know, but that's what I want. So I was already looking at the outcome of how I wanted things to be. And then the path, I'll build the path to get there. And I feel like uh, I've done that. So when I turned 50, I just said, fuck this shit. You know, we arranged our life because I'm not retired from the sense that I don't need money. My wife works. So, you know, if she went away, I would definitely have to work. Right. So so it's not like, oh, gee, I'm so rich. I can just fucking live on my yacht because I don't have one of those. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, at the same time, my conundrum is what can I what what kind of passion do I want to, you know, I want to help people. I want to give back to the community, but at the same time, I don't want to take up 60 hours a week for me where I can't do, take care of my kids. I mean, I have a 13 and a eight year old. So right. I have two, two little kids. And to your point about getting married in your twenties, just to throw it out there by some strange stroke of luck, I didn't get married till I was 37. And I would tell anybody out there that's listening. If you're in the twenties, you don't have to get fucking married. Don't do it. <clears throat> Be your own best well, friend. You yeah, know what I mean? I'm not saying not to get married in your 20s because it works both ways. You're, we're we're the same age. I'm not telling anybody to do anything. I'm saying right. you don't have to. Like right. if you feel pressure well, exactly. to, exactly. But I mean, like we're the. It's there's a there's a upside and a downside to everything. You know, I mean, I had kids way before I was ready for them, way before I could afford them. Blah blah blah. But. My kids are grown on their own. They're successful. And I'm still relatively young and they're out of the house. And I kind of like that. Where on your side, I could see like, you know, you were able to be, you know, free until you were almost 40, which there's a plus side to that too. Well, and free is an interesting choice of words because I would like tell girls up front, I will have no time to date you. So a lot of my relationships were very shallow uh, and not very fulfilling. I mean, I broke up with a girl because I told her, quite frank, frankly, I'm like, I will have no time for you. And, you know, when I interviewed for, for my main career job back in the late 90s, I interviewed with three different married guys that, that all told me the same thing. Like, they're all teetering on divorce. Their wives hate them. And they used to have a term called whatever the name of the company was widows. Like all our wives are blank widows from the standpoint of they never see us. And they used to brag about it. Like it was some kind of badge of honor. (laughs) Yeah. See, now that's priority. That's just people who have bad priorities. Well, they want the money and they want the career. They want the title. They want to be a vice president. They want the stock options. They want all that shit. And they don't, you know, I had, I was rolling, I was driving an executive around one day for a bunch of meetings and, uh, I'll never forget it. Cause he, you know, I'm like, so what time did you get up this morning? He's like, I rolled out of bed about 15 minutes before you picked me up. He's like, why, what did you do? I'm like, I watched cartoons and ate cereal with my five-year-old kid. 
Yeah, and, and that's a like, better life. Oh my god! And he was jealous of me. Well, that was the—I just said it like thinking I was being stupid. <laughs> like I didn't even want to tell him, but it was the truth. So whatever. And uh, he was—he said it point blank. He goes, "I don't even know my kids, and they're already graduated from college." And he wasn't much older than me. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I thought, well, that sucks. Yeah, you're rich and you got money and a fucking great job, and you're everyone calls you vice president. But he was just being brutally honest, and it. It, those are the things that I I file away going, do I want my kids to say, geez, dad wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, see, now, that? it's weird. I, 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 the job I'm retiring from, I was never that passionate about. It paid very well. But the reason I took it was it was a job that was going to allow me, based on the kind of work schedule I had and what my contract said, it was a job that allowed me to be there in an in an unlimited fashion for my kids at every step of their life. And when I handed in my retirement papers, you know, you got to write like a letter. It could be anywhere from one sentence to four pages. You know, I only wrote a couple lines, but I actually, you know, one of the things I did in that letter was I thanked them for letting me raise my kids and be there for my kids in a way that most employers would never, ever enable their employees to be there, you know, in that way. Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's weird. You know, it's you mentioned that you, you fell into uh, your career in a way. And I'm not saying this in a bad way or a good way, but it's it's amazing to me when you said that it made me think that just. I bet the vast majority of people have spent their entire lives in careers or in a job that they just fell into rather than what they wanted to go into. I agree. I mean, we could do a study on it, but to your point, uh, chasing your dream and attaining, you know, but that's the, that's the, the fun of life. You kind of have a plan. Like Mike Tyson said, then you get punched in the face and then you see what happens. <laughs> right? right. But I mean, I guess that's the beauty of what we're talking about. The second act is the second act job is the job that allows you to either pursue a passion or to just, you know, make a living, but fitting your living into your style of life that you want for yourself, you know? Well, a hard thing for me, and I think this is worth mentioning, was like anything else, you know, humans get addicted to stuff, right? Uh, dopamine, whatever. And making a lot of money, I don't care if it's depends on your on your personal point of view what a lot of money is. Someone asked me that one time, like, oh, I heard you make a lot of money. And I'm like what do you think is a lot? <laughs> I'm like, cause I think someone that's worth a hundred million might make a lot, but he might think a billionaire is a lot. Right. So uh, I was like, you know, we used to use the term fuck you money. Right. I got right. Enough money where I can tell people to fuck you. Yeah. And that that's right there. Inherently bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't want to go around saying fuck you to everybody. You want to be nice. But for me, the value of it, the hard thing I had to overcome was I have to replace my corporate job with a job that's passionate, but I got to make a lot of money. Yeah. So, so 
you know, if I let's just say I wanted to do stand up comedy, I'm like, well, how do I get to be funny like Eddie Murphy? Or how do I get to be funny like George Carlin? Or how do I get to be funny like this fucking guy? And you you think, well, that end just seems so far away that you get discouraged pretty quickly instead of just saying, I'm going to do this for free, which goes back to you and me doing this podcast. I mean, I look forward to doing this. If, you know, if someone wanted to pay us like to buy our podcast, because I've, I've shopped at a couple of places and gotten no feedback from anyone, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Like, I don't care because right. I like doing this. So this right. is passionate. If it yeah. ever paid off, fucking great. But it doesn't need to. But to your point, you need a job that's going to put, you know, some food on the table for you. So there is necessity kind of pushing you along, whereas I have to kind of push myself because because, again, good or bad, I don't have fucking like uh, bills waiting for me that aren't getting paid because I'm not fucking bringing in income. That's it's a blessing and a curse because I got to get motivate my own self to get off my fat ass and do some work, you know, real quick. Well, I'll I, just the beauty, the beauty of the, of the second act for both me and you and for I'd say most people is. It allows you it you're free to be choosy. You're free to do like in your case, you're on the precipice right now of preparing to do something that you're really in that you really are excited about and that you're 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 passionate about. And I'm on the precipice of I know what I don't want anymore. Yes, and that's just as important, you know. Absolutely. I don't know Not what more, I'm going yeah. to do in my second act, but I'm, I'm, I have the luxury of being choosy enough to, to choose something that I know is not what I don't want. You know, there are things about my next job after 32 years in the workforce that I just don't want any part of anymore, and I know it well, yep. and I'm not going to do it again. You know, so finding out eliminating what you don't like. I say this to my kid all the time. I'm like, you are going to have to do things you don't feel like doing. That's why you get paid when it doesn't feel like work and you're doing it and you're getting paid. That's like the, the fucking golden zone or whatever. Yes. Yes. That's the ticket. Feel like work, but with anything, I mean, that it's good to do things that suck one. Cause you can overcome, you know, making yourself, do a shitty job, you know, like that Mike Rowe guy. You see some of those people that he uh, interviews doing absolutely horrific jobs, like working at a landfill, <laughs> <laughs> like cleaning shit from a sewer system. And I mean, a lot of those people seem kind of happy. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, my, a lot of my work life, because I've, you know, you work in that off, like even if it, even if your job is not similar to what they did in office space, if you worked in an office of any <laughs> type, no matter your profession, you could relate to that movie Office Space in some way. And that, oh, yeah. that movie is one of the greatest movies ever made because yeah. it does truly capture the spirit of the workforce, you know, the that drone life of office office life, you know. And there's a, such a great line in there that's so true about, like, you know, man was not created to sit in a cubicle. And it's true, you know. So you bring up the people at the landfill. I would offer and you know encounter people in those kind of professions and and kind of envy them because you're right they did seem happy because and like their job was probably shitty 
But I, I guarantee you, those aren't the jobs. Those aren't the kind of jobs you take home with you at night. You know, I, I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> I uh, one of my favorite things to do with my son is every once in a while, I'll put a bunch of shit in the back of my truck and take it to the dump. And I don't know why I enjoy that so much. I just really yeah. do. And every yeah. time I go there, there's tons of people there. <laughs> it's like a big block party. And the people working there are always just talking shit and laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I want to come work here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's it's that conundrum of life, right? Like the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, actors want to be rock stars. Rock stars want to be actors. Office drones want to work at the landfill. You know, yep. landfill workers want to want a, a good paying job in an office, you know, I mean, but so you never really know. But uh, well, again, the beauty of second acts is and they, I used to hear this a lot in my corporate life. You see the guys that had like guys that played in rock bands on the weekend, like kind of nerdy guys sometimes or cool guys, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. But the people that had outside and sometimes, you know, you work so much. Like, how the fuck do they have time to, like, I used to look at that, like, that's just another goddamn to-do for me. I don't need another to-do on my list of to-dos. I want to, I want to have a couch day. That's my hobby, laying on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the, the funny thing, you know, I, I, I work, I do a lot of outs, uh, editing work on the side as a freelancer and I was editing uh i've been editing for the last year this magazine that's geared toward uh it's called 55 plus and it's geared toward people 55 years old and older and you know and so it's this year yeah it's coming up so uh there was one issue and they kept sending me the stories to edit this was just a couple of months ago and every story was like you know one story was about second act careers after retirement. And I'm thinking, you know, and I, and I had already submitted my retirement papers at this point. So I'm like, wow, this speaks to me. And then the next one was like arthritis. And I just developed arthritis in my knee. And I'm like, holy shit. And then like the other one was like, you know, downsizing your home after retirement. And my wife and I just bought a new home. That's, you know, probably more manageable for us. Uh, I wouldn't say it's smaller, but and like the whole things, the whole issue spoke to me, like every article that would come in and I had no idea what the articles were going to be when they come in. But when they come in, I would open them up and I'd be like, holy shit, this is speaking to me. Mm-hmm. But there was a story about second act careers. And one of the things that made me laugh was, you know, um, you could it just seems like in America you could make money doing anything like some of these people were become like. They had a passion for organizing, you know, so after their corporate job, they their second act career was they became professional organizers and they'd help people like organize their closet, you know, like at home. And I'm like, people will fucking pay for anything in this country. God, that'd be a good job for me. <laughs> I do that. I do that here. Uh, I, I make fun of my wife a little bit and I call her like a junior pack rat yeah. and like. A lot of times if she goes somewhere with the kids or, you know, she takes them up to see her family, I'll spend the whole weekend cleaning the house and then going to the dump, seeing my pals over at the dump <laughs> with all her shoes and all her stuff. And I love my wife, so she, you know, I'm not picking on her or talking out of school. But, you know, like, I like, I like a nice organized house. It's one of the things my mom was hell bent on keeping our house in order with all those 
11 children. It was, it was a lot of fucking work. And um, my mom was pretty good at that. She was also good at, you know what she was good at? Like uh, the divide and conquer, you know what I mean? And and like uh, assigning jobs and tasks and she's pretty good at that stuff. But I mean, I'd be good at that too. So maybe I'll, I'll, you know, I'll drive around with the, with the big uh, dump truck, fill up their, all their garbage and I'll take it to the dump. Probably a career in there for me for that. Right. But those, you know, I guess like those people who are creating their second act careers doing like closet organizing for people, you know, they're again, they're probably pursuing their passion or what their interest is in. But like, I guess the the second act career, you can make it whatever you want, you know? I mean, so. I do Again. feel though the component that you're speaking to or time talking around is helping other people. You know, I spent the vast majority of my career helping me, putting money in my bank account, putting food right. on my table. Sure, I was helping people make great decisions selling computer electronics. I was really, you know, saving the world one network at a time. <laughs> um, you know, but what I was really doing was helping myself and padding my nest. So it feels good. I mean, I volunteer, uh, and like you you mentioned earlier, um, I'm working my way towards getting a certified personal trainer uh, certification because, you know, I've struggled with weight and fitness my whole life and just not being such a fat ass. And now that I've gotten in pretty good shape, I want to turn around and start helping people get there because they can get there. Right. And I think that's something that you and I fitness, you know, is something that's always been part of our lives, regardless of how out of shape we've let ourselves get at different points. Yeah. But that's the beauty of it. It's like, hey, I've been there. So people like em- empathy. Right. And that's a strong uh, skill set to hone and develop. And I think you and I both have that. And I think uh, whatever you do in your next career, whatever I do, that's what we bring to the table because, you know, Tying it back to specializations and, 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 you know, creating value. Right. And defining what that value is and what you bring to the table always has to be there. Because if the customer sees the value, you see the value of what you're doing, your time will not be ill spent. Yeah. And that's that motherfucker. (laughs) That is that motherfucker. So, uh, wrapping it up, I guess we'll just say, uh, here's to the future and act two. Go Bills. Go Bills. (laughs) I got one thing to say to those bills. Go bills. <laughs> I need a whammy weenie. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right have brother. a great one, buddy. Stay free. Bye.